Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Doesn't it feel good to be in the presence of God? You know, that's why you know David, who we've referenced already a few times this morning, not just this David, but also David Luhan. But King David, the other king, uh, that's why he said things like, better is one day in your course than a thousand elsewhere. You know, that's why he said, I was glad when they said to me. You know, like the other King David with us has said, uh, you know, I love, I love worshiping at home. I love worshiping my car. I, I, I worship anywhere. But... There's something unique when we gather together. There's something that's unique about this. Because the Bible says that you and me, like as an individual, we are the temple. Have you heard that? You're the temple of the living God, right? Like the Spirit of God lives in us. He no longer lives in in buildings, right? We don't have, like you can worship God outside of this building, right? It used to be that only in the temple, only in the Holy of Holies, in the presence of God reside. When Jesus died on the cross, it says that the veil was ripped and the presence of God was then basically available to all humanity everywhere at any time in the name of Jesus, right? So we need to encounter the presence of God. We need to lean into his presence and his spirit. And I, I, I want to be somebody who, who, uh, who longs to be the presence of God, who understands the value of this moment. I never want to take it lightly. I never want to devalue the, the coming together of the saints. Okay, now I remember what I was going to say. Tell I was monologuing there for a second to figure out where my head was at. Um, <laughs> but you guys know me enough to know, like, he's not sure where he's going with this. Okay, so I'm back. I'm back. So we individually are the temple of God. But the Bible also speaks that we, as a body, are built up together as a place where the Spirit of God lives. So we're both individually housing the presence of God, but that's why it's unique when we come together because there's this elevated sense of the power of God. It's why I'm thankful that we live stream and podcast and you can tune in here and there. That's great. That's great, but that can never replace, ever, ever replace this together. Amen. 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 All right. High five somebody. Grab a seat. Show some love to our production team and our worship team. Come on. So good. Love you guys. You're amazing. So amazing. The best. The best. Oh, the absolute best. How about Kathy or Nelia? What? Man. You know what I also noticed? Never had that much applause when I got up on stage. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? I mean, I'm not, I'm not like, I don't have like a decibel meter that I measure that or anything, but felt, felt pretty big difference. Felt pretty big difference. <laughs> You're the absolute best. You deserve all that. You're amazing. Thank you. 
you guys are exceptional and so thankful for you. And uh, you know what's fun, too? It, uh, we have, we have a non-guest non guest appearance by our, our friends. We'll always be family. I don't know what church you're a part of in Florida, but it's not your home church. This is still your home church. It's good to have Michael and Sarah Gable Seifert with us. You know what? It's, it's like you're never away from me because you guys are on every show, every podcast, every news. Wherever freedom is, that's where the Seiferts are at. So, uh, and, and we do honor you guys for that, for continuing to stand up, raise awareness. The Public Square app is continuing to just expand and extend, and, and it's absolutely incredible. And the Every Life diaper brand taking the world by storm. Oh, man, how cool is that? I love it. Freedom fighters everywhere. Come on. Let's, 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 take, uh, let's take America back, shall we? Shall we? Okay. Now, some people are going to take that sound back and say, see, a new Samuel is trying to start an insurrection, you know? They'll grab that one clip. They'll love it. They'll be thankful for it. And, uh, but anyways, we do, in Jesus' name, we need to restore sanity. Vote in the primaries. Come on, vote for Kate. Come on, everybody. Let's get her and many more incredible uh, candidates elected this season. Uh, get them on, on the, the primary ballot or uh, vote from the primaries. Let's get in the general. Um, Proverbs chapter 18. I'm excited to jump in uh, to this message and uh, this, this is going to have, uh, I think, implication for all relationships. I am calling it, um, you know, kind of leaning towards the, the vocabulary of marriage, but it really is uh, for everyone. Uh, Proverbs 18.22 says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, come on somebody, and obtains favor. And I'm going to talk about relationships, uh, you know, obviously the goal of every uh, friendships that leads to a romantic relationship. The end is always marriage. That is the goal of every healthy moving forward relationship would be that it ends in marriage. Uh, you know, obviously when, when you're dating, not just random friends, I'm just saying. But I mean, the, the, the natural progression, the way God designed it is that dating leads towards marriage. That's part of the dysfunction of the culture we live in is people are just dating at random for no reason rather than with intention of marriage. If you wait to date somebody until you could see yourself marrying them, you will avoid a lot of losers, okay? And that's specifically for the ladies about men, okay? So we're designed for community. We're talking about connect, but the, the, the truth is we're designed. It's one of the very first things that God says to Adam, to humanity. It's not good that he's alone. But think about it. It's an important note. I remember when somebody brought this up to me one time to go, he's not alone. God is with him. And you're like, oh, yeah, that's true. But God says and looks at this human and says he's alone. So he's He's not actually alone in the sense of God had relationship with him, communion with him, but we are not designed for, for humanity aloneness. Isolation, disconnection, being away from people, like has already been talked about today, is not our best uh, design. The Bible actually says that we're foolish when we isolate ourselves, right? It actually causes harm uh, to our lives. 
Life is more enjoyable in community, in relationships, good friends, right? We're better in that way. But I, I like to remind us, you know, over the years, I used to just think, you know, life is better together. Okay, that sounds great. You know what I mean? We're happier. We enjoy some good laughs, good meals. But you, when you really look at the Bible, it's more than just we're better, like life is a little bit more enhanced when we're, when we're in good community. No, it's actually deeper than that. It's actually essential that we are in community. We actually cannot fulfill our assignment on our own. God designed life to literally work to where you must be in partnership and in relationship and in community with other people. Why would God use the church metaphor as a body? You know what, that sounds like we don't really take that seriously, but a body only works when it's connected. I don't care how great an arm is, man, I'm the arm of Christ, the body, you know. But yeah, but you're disconnected on the ground. You're going to look good for about a few minutes, and then it's about to be a horror scene. You know, it's not going to be good. It's going to look weird. It's going to be dysfunctional. We do not operate best in isolation. We don't even operate at all. Ultimately, your ultimate design, your ultimate function, your primary uh, design is in community, right, and in relationships. We're designed that way, but... Then why, if it's God's design, do sometimes relationships have so much drama, have so much tension, have so many issues? Why do sometimes they end? Why why do we find ourselves in this place if it's this beautiful, amazing, God-assigned thing? Well, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about seven sand traps. Come on, my golfing's about to enter my preaching. Seven marriage sand traps. Can I please bring out my illustration here? Come on, somebody. Thank you, Mariah. Appreciate it. I was just really looking for a reason to bring this on stage. I'm going to be honest with you. And to wear this hat. Okay, so I have a tea time right after service, and I need to be ready. Okay, so... Not really. Not really. I've tried that a couple times. My wife's like, you know, that's a family day, right? I was like, yeah, you're right. My bad. Back on track. Um, You know what? This is going to be a little bit of a confessional for me probably as well as a conversation that I I hope helps all of us. Um, the, the, the sand traps, uh, from a golfing standpoint is something that you do not want to find yourself in. Okay. I don't like being in the sand when you're golfing. It's not designed to be that way. Right. Nick and I know, listen, stay away from it. You're not designed for it. Come on. Uh, and, and the, the, the reality is though, sand traps are common, right? They are not rare. If you're on the golf course, it looks a lot like this. They're everywhere. There are sand traps along the fairway. There are sand traps around the green where you're trying to get to. There are oftentimes these traps. So it's important as we get into these sand traps, first of all, to not freak out because you're not alone. It's common. Sand traps are common. Every one of us are going to have the potential of facing it. Now, our goal, my subtitle here, how to avoid them. Okay, that's, that's a good first goal. The truth is we're all going to get in them, so how do we get out of them as well? I thought about making the subtitle how to get out of them and avoid them, but it was too long. Okay, so just 
I kept it tight, but I just for the reference of us from when it comes to a preaching standpoint, we're never going to be able to fully avoid every sand trap. But when we get in the trap, how do we get ourselves out of that? Right? How do we get ourselves out in a healthy way? Again, these apply literally to all uh, relationships, but um, I'm going to specifically lean into kind of that vocabulary uh, of marriage. Now, of course, there are some, you know, like what we maybe would categorize as bigger sand traps uh, in, a, in a marriage or relationship where there's heavy uh, uh, addictions of some kind that are uh, creating uh, danger. Right in a relationship, I'm not necessarily uh, speaking about those or let's say um, something like an affair. Right, the more tragic type of things that can happen uh, in a relationship that can really derail a relationship. And uh, but these, the ones that I'm going to get into, are a little bit more common to all of us. And and I like to note here that these sand traps I'm getting into, even though they can be frustrating, because just the other day I was playing and I found myself in some sand. <laughs> And the first hit did not get the ball out of the sand. And sometimes it can be two or three hits because maybe I'm trying to figure out how to best get out of a sand trap, out of a bunker. And, and I find myself going, gosh, this is so annoying because it makes the hole way more complicated. You score horribly when you get yourself in the sand. The, the truth is, though, sometimes it can be frustrating and it can take some effort to get yourself out of there. But every one of these sand traps I'm about to get into, even though they can be frustrating, none of them are grounds for a divorce in a marriage relationship. Okay? I, I want to make that note because sometimes in a world that we live in where we can just kind of go in and out of contracts, we, nobody likes commitment. You know, we, we don't like commitment in our cell phone plans anymore. You know what I mean? Like, you, you remember back when cell phones first came out and you locked into three-year commitments or more? You know what I mean? You remember that? Like, it was major. You were committing your life to Verizon or to AT&T. Or voice stream back when I was back in the day. You know what I'm saying? I had that Nokia brick phone and I had signed up for voice stream. Played a little snake game on there, yeah. Before we were distracted by a thousand apps, we just had one to consume our attention. And T9 texting, the worst, the worst. Um, but now it's like if someone tries to get you in a contract at anything, you're like, oh, hey, whoa, 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 we're not about this. So in relationships, we can, if we're not careful, we can translate the similar type of dialogue when, when it comes to our approach to marriage where it's just like, ah, since I don't like the contract anymore, I'm just going to rip it up and move on, right? So we have to have a little bit more resiliency. The Bible articulates only very small categories of grounds for ending a marriage relationship. One is, is infidelity, right, an affair of some kind. The other one is literally when an unbelieving spouse says, I'm not into all this Jesus stuff you're about, and I'm out of here, and they leave you, right? Uh, if, you know, if, if, uh, if you're in a marriage and your, your husband's abusing you, right, you know, that, that's, that's a, where there is, there is a violence to you, right? That is what we're talking about is, okay, the, these are grounds. These are a very few select scenarios where the Bible actually endorses that. And the rest of it is for us to fight through and work out, right? Because what, what is that one of the things when it comes to, and, and listen, uh, there could be a range of us in different scenarios in here. Some of, uh, of us are in our first marriage. Some of us are, have been married a few times, right? 
And, and so this isn't about a condemnation on somebody whose first marriage didn't work out, okay? Because, again, there could be a variety of reasons. But the truth is now that you are a believer, you're in a, a firm foundation, you're in an environment like this, you're leaning into God's word, it's important that we don't draw our strategy for commitment and longevity in marriage from a world's perspective, but that we draw on God's word. How does God want us to fight for relationships, work things out? In a marriage uh, divorce hearing uh, where it's like, okay, what, what's the reason? Well, one of the top reasons they typically put on there is irreconcilable differences, which is an insane statement. I mean, if, if that's your reason to end stuff, you'll end everything, right? Like we have to have enough grit in us and enough tenacity in us to push past irreconcilable, that, that, that can't be a thing, especially not with a believer. A believer, above anybody else, has the ability to show grace, forgiveness, and all that. Even in the case of an extreme thing like an affair, that doesn't have to be the absolute end to a relationship. It's very difficult to have a marriage continue in, in strength and be restored, but it's not impossible because we hear stories about it all the time where the supernatural grace of God helps us to overcome issues and sin, show grace and forgive each other. Amen? Amen. So I want us to have great, healthy marriages. That's going to require us to navigate these sand traps, but I don't want you to get through this and go, yeah, my husband does that. Yeah, my wife does that. And it get like some seed in you that's like, yeah, you know, they, they better shape up or ship out. No, 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 these, these are common to all of us. These are, all of these are able to get out of, right? There's no sand trap I've been stuck in. I've been able to get out of every sand trap in golf so far, right? May taking me a couple swings, you know, maybe taking me a, a bent club and a little bit of anger, but you know, we got out. We got out of the sand traps. Any sand trap your relationship is currently in, you can get out of. You can find your way out of it. You can have strength again. You can have peace again. You can have a great relationship again. Amen? All right, so first uh, sand trap here in, in marriage or even in relationship is the busy trap, the busy sand trap. So uh, Exodus and all throughout the Bible, God talks a lot about Sabbath, right? So the solution to the busy trap is to embrace Sabbath, find ways to rest, find ways to recharge, right? God calls us to rest. The, 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 the workaholic, which again can be a very broad term, the workaholic reality can literally be something that can be destructive to a relationship but there, there just has to be better communication a lot of times because there are going to be seasons of great extra effort and work. Sometimes there are seasons where you're developing, launching, releasing something, creating something. There may be an elevated season of intensity, and you can't, just, you can't put a, a, a workaholic label on everything that requires work because that's not, that's not the concept, Right? But when somebody gets consumed in their job and they are just absolutely, like the Bible says, wearing themselves out to get rich, that actually becomes a detriment to our, our lives. That can be one of the areas we get busy. We're busy with all this stuff, busy doing, busy you know, running every single direction. If our life cannot accommodate some type of Sabbath, uh, something's wrong. God designed us to honor him in a Sabbath 
and to create space and margin. So if you find yourself never, you, I got to work seven days a week, 24-7, always grinding, Some, something's actually not right. That's actually not the way. Now, again, isolated seasons of extra effort, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. But you have to have the right people around you to keep that in balance because otherwise a short season of that turns in a lifestyle habit of that. And that's why sometimes you see all these great documentaries of highly successful people on their second, third marriage because they, they burned through the first relationship or two on their way to the top. I mean, Garth Brooks, a legend, burned through a marriage on his way to the top. I mean, how sad is that? To achieve all this stuff and the one you started the journey with, you're not enjoying the fruits of it with. How sad is that? But a lot of people do that. A lot of CEOs, top CEOs, right, they, they, they're so consumed that it takes them out. So we have to be smart about that, learn how to Sabbath, learn how to rest. But it's not just in work. It's also in activities, right? Just signing up for a million things all the time. You know what? We can say no to things. That is an option. Now, I didn't know that until I married Katie. And uh, I learned that you're allowed to have boundaries in your life. I didn't even know what boundaries were growing up. I just was like, if somebody wants to hang, yes. All night, yes. Let's do something, you know, whatever. Let's hang out. Let's, you know, and the kitty's like, uh, I want to be at home today. Oh, okay. So we're able to say no to a dinner. All right, all right, sounds good. And uh, just learning to have rest, learning to have rhythms, learning to pause, learning to create that space. We don't have to be so busy all the time, even when it comes to our like ministry life, right? Those of you who are serving and leading, man, we want to give ourselves for the cause of Christ. We want to serve. We want to lean in, establish the kingdom. Absolutely. But at the expense of marriage, at the expense of relationships, at the expense of peace, that's not how it was designed, right? So if, if you're in a space, even in ministry, where you've got no peace, you need to start asking some questions to go, why am I like this? What is going on? Am I, am I, am I out of balance in this? Have I created a world that's un, unhealthy for me, right? Uh, even for us with our kids, we do one sport at a time. Right, this is a little note to parents. I remember somebody telling me that years ago. Just because your kid wants to do 35 activities don't mean they should. And doesn't mean you have to do it. Your job is not to constantly make your kids happy with you all the time. Your kid can have downtime contrary to common belief. You don't have to be their activity calendar. You're actually not their activity director. That is not, you are shaping them. You are developing them. You are strengthening them. You are raising them. You're developing, you are not coordinating their play dates. I mean, sometimes you are, but that's not your sum total job in life. Oh, my God, does someone so have, have something fun planned this weekend? Fun planned this week? I mean, I grew up like, now I'm going to start talking about like, like an old person. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yo, when I was a kid... We didn't have play dates. Uh, we had six kids. We had built-in play dates in our house. You know what I'm saying? You want an activity? Say hi to your brother, okay? Like, you know? You never said you're bored when I was a kid. You didn't do that as a kid. That's dangerous. Oh, you're bored? I got some chores. 
Just kidding. I'm not bored anymore. It's a miracle boredom cure. If your kid says they're bored, start making them clean toilets. They won't be bored anymore. It's a miracle. It is a miracle. I remember that. All right. Sand trap number two. The blame trap. The blame. Oh, boy. This is big in, in all relationships. In marriage, it, it definitely shows itself. Matthew 7, 3 to 5. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Hello. How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. Wow, Jesus is so nice. So kind. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. This is, this is great in general, just friendship, but also specifically as we move into dating, as we move into engagement, as we're in marriage, this can be such an easy thing. I mean, Adam jumped to it in .5 seconds in the garden. You know what I mean? When God's like, Adam, what'd you do? It's a woman. <laughs> it's like, wow, bro. Like, can you imagine Eve being like, are we not on the same team? I mean, what the heck? You turned on me in five seconds with God. And, uh, but instantly Adam goes to blaming, you know, Eve. Then Eve is like, well, I guess that works. I don't blame Satan. You know what I mean? Like everyone's just blaming somebody else. And it can be easy to do that if we're not careful when there's frustrations, when there's dysfunction, when there's tensions, uh, to, to always be pointing out, well, this marriage, this relationship, this friendship would be better if you X, Y, Z. Now, I absolutely guarantee your spouse, your friend, your, your fiance, they got work to do. But guess what? So do you. So do I. My, my responsibility has to first and foremost go to when there's frustrations in our marriage to ask myself, what, what's my part, right? First and foremost, what do I need to work on here? What am I not seeing? What am I missing right now, right? Rather than instantly wanting to go like, well, this ain't my fault. This isn't my issue. If you, did, if you weren't, you know, e even when sometimes you feel like the predominant issue is with one or the other, there's always a place for us to take the road of going, you know what, we're going to do this together as a team. I'm going to focus on the plank of my own eye first. If I can get that out, then actually I could be more helpful to my spouse, to my friends, right? Otherwise, we're beating each other up with the plank in our eye, trying to be like, hey, I see something in you, and I'm going to get it out. Everyone's black and blue from getting hit over the head with the plank. Right? And nobody's really better. Nobody's winning, you know what I mean, in that type of an approach. And actually, the more that we can see our relationships as a team, the better, right? The more we can function together, the more we can say, hey, we don't win unless we win, right? There is no winning an argument in marriage because that means that someone has to lose if it's just you against them. The goal is that you win together. The goal is that you find solutions. The goal is you navigate towards your health together. But this can be an easy go-to trap, okay? Take responsibility is kind of one of the, the keys to kind of getting out of the sand trap. Here's another one, the unforgiveness trap. Uh, you know, the Bible, some of the strongest language the Bible has, and Jesus specifically, is related to unforgiveness. Therefore, if, if you... 
are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First go and reconcile to them, then come and offer your gift. It's a really powerful like reality where God is kind of saying, listen, I am not interested in your offering until you reconcile with your loved one. It's like, man, you can give all the worship and all the praise and bring your tithes and bring your offerings, and God's up there just going, man, what are you doing? I'm not, like, none of this is hitting. None of this is working because you got this issue with your spouse. you got this unresolved drama with a friend. You know what I mean? And we need to learn how to fight to keep a clean accounts you know, we're never going to have perfect relationships where everything's 100% in harmony all the time. But as best as our ability, our goal is to say, okay, what could I do to resolve issues and deal with them quickly rather than letting stuff fester and build over time? You know what I'm saying? And so it's, it's really, uh, you know, I, I, the Bible says not to let the sun go down in your anger. The principle there is that Man, if we start allowing stuff to go undealt with, we, we continue to push things and, and delay and avoid. It just, it builds, it grows, it festers, it creates dysfunction, and we have to learn how to uh, show grace. Let's show grace to each other. Let's forgive. You know what? God, God brings ultimate justice in every situation. And the Bible says it's to, uh, it, it's, 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 our, it's to our benefit, it's to your credit to overlook an offense. Right. So sometimes we have to just practice that. You know, we don't have to demand justice from our spouse or our friend for every infraction. Thank God, God doesn't do that for you and me. But he, he demanded it, and then he paid his own demand in Jesus Christ, right, for all of our infractions. So sometimes I've got to have just a humility and a maturity to go, you know what? I'm just I'm going to forgive that. I'm just, I'm just going to move on from it. Yeah, I'm not talking about sweeping on the rug. I'm talking about genuinely just going, you know what, some things I'm just going to forgive and we're just going to move on. You know what I mean? Now, if, if it keeps festering because you're not really letting it go and you're actually sweeping on the rug, then you got to deal with it, right? you got to have a conversation. But sometimes you can just forgive and just move on and just show grace. And it just it's amazing how much that will just keep creating a beauty in your relationships, uh, free flow. In, in everything doesn't have to require justice of everything all the time. They wronged me five years ago, ten years ago, last month, last week, this morning, and everything must be atoned for. It's like, okay, calm down. Like, just show some grace. Freely we've received. Freely give. That type of spirit, right? And, you know, Jesus tells that story of the, the dude who owed all this money and the king, after him begging, gives him mercy and he clears all of his debts. And then that dude goes and throws somebody in debtor's prison over a minuscule amount. And the king is not happy with it. You know what I mean? So if we apply that same parable in our own minds, who is somebody right now that we are holding out to dry, so to speak, that we are demanding payment from, and God's going, man, I... I forgave you everything, and you're going to hold that? Come on. Time to show some grace. Let's release forgiveness. Amen? All right, here's another trap, the familiarity trap. This can be big, right, especially the longer we're married, especially. Uh, the longer we're married, we start getting too familiar, 
And Jesus makes a really powerful statement in Matthew 13. Um, Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town and in, in his own home. And he did not do many miracles there because their lack of faith, right? So because they dishonored him or devalued who Jesus was, it locked up the full potential of what Jesus could bring. And the same thing in our marriages, in our friendships, in our relationships, when I devalue my spouse, when I dishonor my relationships, I lock up the potential that they actually could bring into my life. I actually create a barrier. I actually shut down the full strength. But the more I honor Katie, the more I elevate her voice, the more I honor what, what God has brought into my life, the more favor actually flows to me in our relationship. So honor is, is a great antidote uh, to boredom. It's a great antidote to just settling in a relationship, devaluing. One of, the, one of the big things I will, I, will, I will notice from time to time, and I don't have anybody specific in here in mind, so don't, don't get in your head about it. But I will see, uh, th- this can happen oftentimes with, with men towards their wives, is they will devalue the, the voice of their wife when it comes to decision making. And... Um, that's not always the case, but a lot of times you'll see that. It's like, hey, I got this. I'll take care of it. You're good. You do your, you do your other wife stuff, and I got this. And I, it's just really important that whether she has the same degree or training in a specific industry or skill that you have is irrelevant. God has made her a helpmate to you and a partnering voice in your life, right? And so the more I can honor my wife's voice in decisions I'm making, choices I'm making, how I'm leading, how I'm writing, everything that I do, the more I can honor that, uh, the, the more wisdom I can operate in. Amen? Amen. All right. Three guys got a revelation on that, so that's good. That's not going to help your lunchtime with your wife after, I'm going to be honest with you. That was your chance to clap, guys. So that was good. <laughs> okay. Uh, one of the sand trap is a kid is a kid trap, but I, I don't mean it in like having a kid is a trap. <laughs> Kids are amazing. The Bible literally says that they're they're a gift from God, right? They're a treasure. I love our kids, right? But the the kid trap I'm speaking of is when. A little bit like I said earlier about schedule, when you make your life consumed around your kids, that becomes actually a trap in your marriage that can actually derail you guys. You and your spouse are first team, right? You need to be the priority of each other. Everything healthy for your kid is an overflow of your health in your marriage. When you neglect each other for the sake of the attention of your kids, it becomes a dangerous trap. It's not healthy. It's not how it's designed. It's not the way that we are supposed to operate in a marriage uh, child relationship, right? Uh, Katie and I take first, we have to stay strong. You know, it's a little bit like when you're uh, doing uh, life, lifeguard training and uh, somebody's, somebody's drowning. You don't swim out to them and grab a hold of them. You throw them something because you're like, if I get too close, I'm going to get pulled down in this too. I actually have to stay in a place of strength 
so that I can be helpful. Same thing in our marriage with our kids. If we abandon the stability of our, our marriage partnership for the sake of trying to like rescue all the drama in our kid's life, we actually, uh, it, it's, a, it's a sabotaging strategy. I actually have to remain healthy here, strong here, so that I can lead my kids and serve other people from a position of strength rather than getting pulled down into the drama like every, like that everybody else is in, you know what I mean? Or even when you're navigating things with your kids. So, okay. Oh, man. I shouldn't have picked seven. I knew I couldn't get through seven. All right, I'm just going to chuck them out to you. Okay, the retaliation trap. That's like if you don't do for me, I'm not going to do for you. That is one of the biggest rat races in marriage life and relationships. Well, you're not meeting my need. I'm not going to meet your need. I'm going to withhold from you, right? And then what happens is everyone's withholding from everybody. The only way that cycle gets broken, somebody has to stand up and go, okay, I, I'm going to go first in it, right? Somebody has to be the bigger person. Men, please let it be you. You know what I mean? Like, I would highly recommend it for the strength of your marriage and the confidence of your wife. Let it be you. But if, uh, if your wife has to go first and, and teach you how to do it first, that's fine. Then you do it, you do it next time. But be the bigger person. Be, be the one who goes, you know what? Crap. Someone's got to stop this. This merry-go-round that we are on is getting us all dizzy. Someone's going to fly off this thing. It's not going to be good. Someone's got to stop it. Someone has to go first. Someone has to love first. Someone has to serve first. Someone has to forgive first. Someone has to apologize first, right? Somebody has to go first in that and stop it, amen? All right, the last one is the language trap. Proverbs 18, 21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And we gotta speak life over each other. We gotta speak to the potential of each other. That's one of the simplest, biggest things that we can turn around is how are we talking uh, to our, our friends, to our, uh, those we're dating, those engaged, those that we're married to. How, how are we talking to the people in our relationships? Uh, this, it's massive. It's a game changer. It produces life. If you think of every word that you speak over your spouse as a seed that you're planting, the question is, what kind of fruit are you going to produce? Well, you know, if every word I spoke ultimately produces fruit, am I at some point going to be like, oh, that's, that's, that's rotten fruit. That's embarrassing. I don't want anyone to see that. Well, it will at some point produce in each other. That fruit will produce in your, your wife. It will produce in your husband at some point. The fruit will start showing, and people will be able to see, oh, somebody's planting some not-so-good seeds in that relationship. You can't hide it forever. The fruit will start showing at some point. And the good news, as always, is that everything can change. The, you can plant, start planting new seeds. You can make changes to how you uh, deal with things, how you address things, how you speak to each other. And you know what? Especially if you're not uh, like a, a love, you know, like a five, you know, the five love languages or words of affirmation. Words are not always easy for everybody, right? They happen to be for me. No shock there, right? Big writer, preacher, right? So that's easy for me. Um, but some of you in the room, that might be the most difficult thing in the world just to 
say a nice positive statement to your spouse. It feels awkward. It doesn't feel natural, right? I just want to encourage you, force yourself to do it. Just say that thing to each other. Begin to speak life over each other. Begin to talk about, you know, speak, you know, you know, obviously all the beautiful adjectives of you're beautiful and you're amazing or you're handsome and good looking and, you know, super hot and stuff. But, I mean, just feeding a couple lines. Uh, <laughs> uh, but just... Hey, I appreciate you. Man, thank you for the way you do that. You know, like, man, you're, man, you're so kind. Notice the little things. Because what happens is we get so good at noticing all the agitating things, don't we? When we're in the sand traps and the frustrations in marriage, it's like, man, you never. And how come you? And why do you always talk like that? And wah! It's like, oh, shoot, that's easy. It's so easy to get caught in that sand trap of just calling out all the negative things and all the things that we wish our spouse would do differently or say different or act different. Rather, why don't we just become incredibly focused on saying, okay, how do I serve well with how I speak life to my spouse? Build them up, strengthen them. You know, typically... In, in the typical husband-wife dynamics, not always, but typically it's reverse of Katie and I. Typically the girls like the words and gushy and mushy and lovey, and the guys like, you know, I told you I loved you on our wedding day. I'll update you later. You know what I mean? Like, it's typically that, you know. So I'll just speak to the guys like, come on, use your words, right? That's the thing we say to toddlers now, you know. It's like, use your words, you know. But as men, come on, let's articulate how we feel, uh, if, especially if that's a, a typical challenge for you to really share that. If you got to write it, if you got to text it. You know, sometimes when, when Katie and I have been in tense moments, we can actually communicate more honestly texting each other. We've done that. Right? Where, where words come a little bit less heated or less, you know, confused. You just So whatever you got to do, Communicate. I'm not saying we're staring at each other, texting each other, but like if one of us was mad and left the room and that's like we're texting to kind of follow up on something, all of a sudden confessions start coming, <laughs> right? Honesty starts coming a little bit more. You kind of distance yourself from the moment. All right, let's, let's get real, okay? I'm sorry. I wish. I apologize, right? All of that. So, but, but let's, let's use our words to build life, speak life, into each other. Amen. Amen. Why don't you all stand with me to your feet. Let's pray. I kind of said this at the end of, of the last week, but, you know, sometimes these messages, uh, man, they're great uh, when, when you feel like your marriage is doing all right. You know, you're like, oh, yeah, this is so good. Ha, ha, ha. And then, but if like secretly you want to punch each other, it's like, like this is prickly and awkward and you just wish I'd get done <laughs> so you guys can move on and hope your spouse forgets everything I just said, you know? <laughs> or you're trying to find heresy in what I said just to try to like, you know, say, don't believe what he was saying in there. I'm not sure about it, you know? Uh, <laughs> uh, but I just want to encourage you if you feel like that, it's because you're in one of the sand traps. But guess what? 
Others have been there before. Others got out of it. You may be in a sand trap. You may feel like, ah, we're just, we're taking swings. Nothing's working. It's not getting out. It keeps falling back in the sand. It's, it's nothing's, you know, guess what? You're, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. You know, sometimes the best uh, news is just, you're going to be all right in your relationship. You're going to make it through this thing. You're going to get through this difficult season, and you're going to find yourself in just seasons of grace and strength again. Katie and I have been married over 20 years, and in those 20 years, we've had all kinds of different seasons. It's, it's, not, it's not honeymoon for 20 years. No marriage is like that. No marriage has, you, there's seasons, there's ebbs and flows, there's highs and lows in every single relationship, but what makes it beautiful is when you stay with it, keep fighting through the difficult seasons together and it's like the vineyards right the best wines the best vintages come out of those storms those difficult seasons those seasons of uh, uh, of difficulty that a vine has to go through produces the best vintage and so you'll find that as you keep fighting man through year one and year two and year five and year 10 and year 15 it's like you know you start realizing okay uh, we've been through some stuff but we still, we're still just figuring things out. And I think that's the beauty of marriage. You know, sometimes the frustrating part, but the beauty is you're constantly discovering. You're constantly figuring it out. You're constantly unwinding. And one of the things that I, I've said, and I'll, then I'll, I'll stop, I promise. Maybe. Um, I will. I will stop. Is that I believe that God made our wives unconquerable because as men, we are designed to conquer. And one, but once you conquer, you kind of move on. Your wife, that will never happen. You will never figure her out. And once you feel, feel like you did, combination changes. The next day, try that code, see what happens. They'll look at you like, yeah, expired. And also, was this even ever a code? No. Uh, just, you, you you know, but guys, yeah, I used to be frustrated and I realized it's the genius of God. If, if men do not take the weak way out, which is common in culture to go, well, fine, if you're going to be locked up, I'm moving on. No, no, God designed it to be unlocking and discovering and finding and, and, and it's just, it's a beautiful till death do you part type of reality that God gives us to keep discovering and keep finding and keep unlocking and keep you know, learning more about each other. And, uh, and we're, you're going to be in some sand traps and you're going to make it out and you're going to live to see better, better fairways. Come on, somebody. You know, better days, better days. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for every relationship. Uh, all of our friendships that we'd serve each other better. God, in every dating relationship that we would discover the best in each other and every engaged couple in preparation for marriage that you would help us to get ready to, to live well, to serve well, to lead well. God, for all of us who uh, are married, God, I pray that you would just give us uh, eyes to see all the good in our spouse, to be able to look for the best, speak the best, believe the best. Any of us who feel like we're in any of these sand traps right now, help us to just uh, have faith, keep, keep swinging, <laughs> and we're going to get out of this thing. 
and to keep holding hands through the process. God, we love you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.